Father, we love you a lot. You are amazing. And Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. Take the stuff from, that you put on my heart to share and make it real, make it applicable. Help each person to find some little something in this that will encourage them and motivate them that we can become as a community all you desire for us to become. Amen? Did anybody happen to watch TV last night? I was trying to decide how do I fit this in, and I don't know how to fit it in, but I got up here about five minutes earlier than I usually did. But one of the things that struck me, because I said I got to have something that relates to us, other than we're just really excited that, you know, we made it to the finals for the first time ever in the history of our franchise. We have the best player playing right now, and all that stuff's really, really fun. But as you were perhaps watching after the, the whole uh, game was over and the, and the victory things, did you notice the shots of all of the people downtown? I mean, it was crazy. What if, what if the presence of Jesus was so significant in our town that we had that kind of a party because of what God did through his church. That was underwhelming. I'll give you another try. What if we had in our city the same kind of response in the streets because of the activity of Jesus so impacted the people of our city that they couldn't contain it and they got out on the streets and just went crazy? Did you believe what you just yelled for? Oh, good. Then you're going to like what I'm going to talk about today. Recently, Wanda Fast gave our City River community a word that there was anointing for evangelism in this house. A couple of weeks later, I shared about a teaching about different ways that we tend to engage in evangelism, that we all don't do it the same way because most of us are pretty afraid of sharing the good news of Jesus because of the models that we've seen. So I gave some options for people. Today I felt like circling back to a subject of telling other people about the good news of who Jesus is. Now, in talking to some people over the last few weeks and listening to some conversations, we really don't know how to do that. We don't know what we're supposed to say. We don't know how we're supposed to say it. Just being in church doesn't get you ready or prepared to know how to say, would you like to have a relationship with Jesus? So I want to talk about that a little bit today. Because I discovered most of us are pretty uncomfortable with the whole process. 
And when people actually get into the process, they don't know what they're supposed to say. So, what do we do? Here's your one thing, if you don't get anything else. Leading someone into a relationship with Jesus requires us to let Holy Spirit lead the process. Leading someone else into a relationship with Jesus requires that we let Holy Spirit lead us in that process. I know that's not the norm for what you've heard most of the time. It's not what we've seen as a model. But I want to suggest if we don't allow Holy Spirit to lead, we're just doing a sales job. First of all, there's a couple things we don't have to do that we probably think we do have to do. We do not need to tell people that they are sinners. We don't. Every person, when they lay down at night, knows they have messed up in their life. Everybody knows it. Besides, it's not good news if I come up to Luke and go, Luke, dude... You're a sinner. I got good news for you. You are a sinner. I mean, come on. Really? We don't have to tell people they're going to hell. That's really not good news. I mean, what's the point of sharing with them is to let them have an alternative We don't need to tell people, our way's right, your way's wrong. That always really motivates people to want to engage and connect and talk about things. Naya, I have good news for you. The way you're thinking is wrong. Really, come on. And yet that's how a lot of the model that we have seen people, here's how you share the good news of Jesus. That's what we've seen. Now, for those of you who are biblically inclined, and I think there are still a few of you in the church, the theology in Romans is accurate. Romans 3.23 does say, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It does say that. Romans 6.23 says, (coughs) pardon me. The wages of sin is death. Okay, that's in there. But in no place are we required to put that theology into the process of sharing Jesus. Hello? What we've tried to do as a church is we've tried to put all the theology of Romans into the salvation message. And we don't need to do that. Biblically, we don't need to do that. Everybody needs to do those things. When I sin, I need to confess my sin and ask God to forgive me. Sure, and everybody needs to do that. But I don't need to put that into, I may, but I don't need to put it into the message that says, hey, God loves you, wants to have relationship with you forever, and you can do that today. Now, there's biblical examples when the topic of sin was included in the salvation message. All of Peter's sermons, Acts chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 9, Peter included that. But who is he speaking to? 
He was speaking to the Jewish people. They all knew about the, the performance and the things necessary and the temple and all that kind of stuff, the sacrifices and whatnot. Who are we sharing with as a people from our community to the greater Toronto area than people in our community? Who are we sharing with? In general, we're sharing with people who do not have a biblical background, don't necessarily agree with what the Bible says, and don't necessarily say, yes, I agree, we have sinned. Everybody that Peter was talking to, they were all Jewish, and they all knew the law, and they knew if they had sinned or not. We don't speak to that culture. Our culture wouldn't readily agree to say, yep, we've sinned. So we might want to consider other options because there's examples when sin was not mentioned at all. The most obvious one is the thief on the cross with Jesus. That was a really short salvation message. And Jesus didn't even give it. The other guy on the cross gave it. He mocked him. He listened to the people in front of him. The guy goes, okay, I deserve to die because I've done bad. This guy didn't do anything wrong. And turns to Jesus and says, remember me today in paradise. And Jesus said, you're in. That was it. That was the entire salvation message. Nothing about sin. He already knew. Zacchaeus. Nothing in that account of Zacchaeus mentioned sin. Zacchaeus got around somebody like Jesus, and he goes, I've messed up. Kind of gave his own, his own message of needing salvation. Forgiveness of sin. The Philippian jailer in Acts, I don't know, 19, I think, 18 or 19. Nothing about sin was in there. He had a God encounter. The, the jail doors opened by themselves. But nothing about sin. So what can we take away from these two contrasting accounts? You, we can't say it, don't ever talk about sin. We can't say that because it's in there sometimes. Neither can we say you've got to tell people that they're sinners because it doesn't always say that either. Leading someone into a relationship with Jesus requires us to let Holy Spirit lead, Holy Spirit lead us in the process. It isn't about a formula. It's about a relationship. Let's look a little bit more. Romans 10, verses 9 to 15, if you've got it in your phones or you've got your Bible, get that out. We're going to read a few verses there. This passage is probably as clear as any passage about what we're to say to people when we want to tell them about Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you're sharing with people, here's what needs to be shared. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him, Jesus, from the dead, you will be saved. That's about as direct as you can get. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. 
What's required of us when we actually share the gospel? I would suggest there's three things from this passage. The first one is that every one of us and everyone that we share with needs to confess or declare that Jesus is the Lord of our life or their life. Pretty straightforward. To believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, that's an interesting one that people don't bring up quite so much, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. And then the third one is to trust Jesus only. First one, the person is to declare that Jesus is Lord of their life. Words make covenant agreements. We come into relationship with anyone but in particular at this point with Jesus, because we make a declaration, a covenant agreement to say, I am going to follow Jesus. And God is real, real serious about that. He takes us up on that. He says, okay, I'm going to enter into this thing with you. And what they're saying is, I'm aligning with Jesus as the director or the driver or the person to whom I am going to give my allegiance Second one, the person is to believe in their heart God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, why do you suppose that's in there? Because most of us, if we're honest, and we've, we've seen through models and evangelism training, it, that's not ever in there. At least my experience of, of a long time in church, that's not in there. Why isn't that in there? Why should it be in there? What difference does it make to you if that's in there? And yet it says... Here's one of the core reasons for, or not reasons, perhaps is a, a better word would be, here's one of the core requirements for becoming a follower of Jesus, is to believe that. Every other religious or belief system offers teachings and or belief systems of a finite dead follower. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Jesus is alive. And that makes everything different. We're not then just following creeds set up by someone in the past at some point. We're entering a relationship with someone who's alive. So the, the understanding that God raised Jesus from the dead isn't some kind of theological piece of information. It's a fundamental requirement for having relationship. It's pretty hard to relate to a dead person. My mom and dad are in heaven. I'll see them before too long. My grandparents are in heaven but I can have no relationship with them right now because they're dead. I'm still living here. They're not living here. But Jesus is alive. A number of you know stories of people who, whom Jesus has visited. Dead people don't visit you at night. And if you do, you probably want to do something about the state of your room. If you don't know what that means, I think that's good. Maybe it's not. Every other religious religion or belief system 
The founder is dead. Christianity makes the bold declaration that Jesus' life and death offer redemption for every single person. But then it goes on to say, and the founder, the one who sacrificed everything so that you can have eternal life with God, is still alive. It changes everything because the basic thing that I hope to get across in terms of evangelism is it's not about a patterned program, read the script, presentation. We are offering a relationship with someone. I'll come back to that in a minute. The third one is to trust in Jesus alone. We live in a society now where it's pretty easy to collect things that we follow. By that I mean... We'll follow this teaching where it fits. We'll follow that teaching where it fits. I have one person that I interact with from time to time who is a universalist. They take a piece of everything, something from India, something from Tibet, something from North America, something from South America, latest teachings from everywhere, and they'll pick and choose and move around and keep one and give one back. And, and yeah, it's like really confusing listening to her. Okay. How, how, how do you get there? I don't even know how she keeps all the names of all these people straight, all these people who are teaching this, that, and the other thing. We are called... And in order to have relationship with Jesus, we trust in him and him alone. Jesus is a good deal. Forgiveness of sins, eternal life with God, somebody to be with you, lives inside you right now. He's a good deal. But he's also jealous. He won't share who he is with you to anybody else. It's me and him. It's you and him and no one else. And in our society now... We kind of want to pick and choose and grab the favorite things we have. Okay, if that's how you want to live, but you cannot biblically be a follower of Jesus when you also pick to be, I like some of the things I get from here and there and the other thing. All Jesus all the time or not at all. And I mean, come on, that kind of makes sense. Those of you who are married, would you want your spouse to have 15 other different lovers? Thank you. God, I have enough trouble with one keeping it all straight. Not her, me. She's great. I still struggle with getting this thing all aligned and working right. And yet we seem to think, okay, but with Jesus I can do that. I can take the things I like, the stuff I'm not so wild about. Well, I'll go get something else to fill in that gap. Biblically, when we're presenting Jesus to people, it's Jesus only. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good idea. John 14, 6, Jesus says about himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. People can be uncomfortable with that, and a lot of people in our society is. It's so exclusive. What if they don't know Jesus? I don't know. You've got to work that out. But Jesus said, if you don't come to the Father through me, you won't get to the Father. 
He's the one who paid the sacrifice that we should have had and paid for our sins. So when we're sharing, this is going to probably be, in our culture, the most challenging thing to present to people. But Jesus said it. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We accept. When we're sharing Jesus with people, when we're sharing what it is to have Jesus in our lives and have relationship with God, it is required of us to make sure they understand the entry is Jesus, not Jesus and Jesus. Peter made it pretty clear in Acts 4.12, Salvation is found in no one else, he said, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There's no other way. Peter said the same thing in Acts chapter 16. The jailer had just brought Paul and Silas out of prison after he had this God encounter where all the doors to the prison opened up and nobody escaped. He comes up to them and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here's Paul's answer. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. It's all about Jesus. It's not Jesus and or Jesus plus. It's all about Jesus. Those three things that we've listed, those are what need to be, if we're going to be integrous people, need to be in our presentation of, here's the deal. Now, we've all bought, many of us have bought a car. And we go and look at the car, and it's really nice. We take it out for test drive, and then they take us into this room. And they get lots and lots of paper out. And they start telling you all the things that go with this purchase. And here's all the stuff that's involved in it. And here's what you need to do for banks and all this other kind of thing. And what seemed like a straightforward thing then becomes not straightforward. Oh, you mean you want tires? Well, that will cost you more. You want air conditioning? That will cost you more. And then they add all this stuff. When we make a presentation, there are three things and three things only that we need to have in saying, here's what you need to do to have Relationship with Jesus, connection with the Father, and eternal life with God forever. And these are the things. And if people don't like it, like if you don't like the car and you don't like the fact that they didn't put seat belts in your car unless you pay more, you can walk away. They can walk away, and we can be gracious about that. But here's the thing in my encouragement. We do it with Holy Spirit. So if you ask me, how do I lead someone into a relationship with God? My answer to you is follow the Holy Spirit's leading. We don't get out our three-by-five card and read the stuff to people. Hello? When I met Ollie... I didn't get out. Okay, here's the thing. Hello, my name is Rob. What is your name? I live at... Where do you live? How long have you been married? I've been married 30 years. We don't get out a script and just read it. Why? Because it's relational. I didn't know you played the guitar. That's really interesting. How long have you been doing that? But if I'm coming over to meet this fine-looking young man, I might go, 
Nice try. How about them raptors? Why would I say the guitar to this guy and the raptors to this guy? Because we're different. And yet somehow we think we can pull out a script, use the exact same script on every single person, regardless of the circumstances they're in, regardless of the gender, the age, or whatever else. Here's what you do. Repeat after me. Do this. That's not how relationship works. Hello? We share out of relationship. A couple of weeks ago, I got to hang out with Shole, and, and we were able to introduce someone to Jesus. We didn't say anything about sin. What was really interesting is we didn't say a whole lot. We said a little prayer, but it was Holy Spirit-led, and it was awesome because, you know, like you got to use Kleenex. Yeah, I, I carry Kleenex all the time. When Holy Spirit shows up, you just need Kleenex. If you want to start doing Holy Spirit ministry, you need to carry Kleenex, okay? Lots of Kleenex. Don't make people use napkins. Those are, those are really hard on your eyes. Yeah? And basically, it was a one-sentence prayer that said, God said, I don't even know what it was, it, something like, God says you're not guilty. And she just like, God went in and did stuff. Okay, when somebody has a God encounter, it's pretty easy to lead them to Jesus because they go, oh, my God, I just got impacted by that. You don't get the script out. Okay, you ready now? You're a sinner. (laughs) Are you hearing me? We're inviting people into a relationship. What do they need from God? What's the point at which their heart opens up? We're going to know that not because we got it here. I mean, I met this person about 15 minutes before she needed her Kleenex. I still don't know anything about her except for about two pieces of information. But we introduced her to Jesus with one phrase, and she goes, I'm in. Because it's about relationship. What does this person need? What's the felt need in their heart? Can we bring a Holy Spirit encounter? Because that'll save you hours and hours of debate. If you ask me, how do you lead someone into a relationship with God? I'll say, follow Holy Spirit's leading. Because it's a relationship. We don't start a relationship through formula. Guys, when you asked that gal out for a date, you didn't get the formula you read in Miss Manners' book out and start reading. Nobody even knows who Miss Manners is. I'm so sorry. I'll bring it forward 50 years. (laughs) I'll get into the 21st century. Look, I'm old. I'm gray. That just happens sometimes. I refer to a song nobody's heard except maybe Remy because he listens to all that stuff. Thank God. So he helps me to feel good because, like, okay, somebody's heard this song besides me. Providing, 
providing someone with a mechanical prayer. Pray this prayer. Is that a way to start a relationship? What if we said, tell Jesus what you'd like him to do, what you'd like him to be for you? What do you need right now? Instead of teaching them a bunch of mechanical rules like the church often does, what if we got them started right away with relating to Jesus? Just a thought. Holy Spirit knows what your friend needs, the people that he's brought into your life, the co-worker next to you. I might have told this story, but if it is, if those, those of you who are in Acts, I apologize if this is a rerun. And I try to share stories out of the corporate world before I was a pastor because everybody seems to think, oh, well, you're a pastor, you're supposed to do this all the time. Now, the things I share with you, I did before I was a vocational pastor. I worked as a corporate accountant for a Fortune 500 oil and gas exploration company in Los Angeles. And one of the secretaries one of the days was just having a bad day. She was the one that all of the invoices for our whole division that I worked in ran through. It was getting close to the end of the day, and I needed an invoice from Stephanie. Stephanie was having a bad day. And when Stephanie was having a bad day, one tended to want to wait until the next day. Tyrant comes to mind as, as a description. I had to have the invoice go. She's like a secretary. I'm, I'm one of the corporate accountants that does the, all the numbers you read and the books for our company, and I'm going with fear and trembling up to her desk. Um, can I get this desk to... Give me, didn't you want to ask her, this desk to give me this invoice. She looks up at me and, I, and, and God drops this thing in my mind. Her daughter just ran away. You better be right, God, or this is going to look really stupid. I said, it looks like you're having a bad day, Steph. And she goes, I am. And I go, oh my God, she's human. Look, these thoughts come. You're not weird or bad because they come. I go, Steph, you know, this isn't the end for you with your daughter. She goes, how do you know that? How do you even know my daughter's having a problem? I said, well, God really cares about what's going on in your life. But here's the good news. When I see you on Monday, she'll be back. I'm going, please, God, be right. Look, I think that's tough, even when I'm pretty confident it's God. So I forgot about it. I come to work, and I'm working in my office, and it's about 10 in the morning, and Stephanie, who, who is not particularly petite either, did I say that nicely? Goes bouncing by the door, stops in the door, comes back in, and she goes, I don't know what you did, but my daughter came back. Isn't God awesome? And she goes, you know a different God than I know. How do I meet your God? 
See, when we introduce a relational connection with Jesus, evangelism is way simpler. Pray for somebody to get healed. That gets their attention. Introduce them to a God who cares about their need. When we were talking with this lady, she had a pile of need. And God spoke to the thing in her heart. Our job is to bring relationship, not to sell a product. Somebody who's been in church for a long time and doesn't like evangelism, say amen. We are not called to sell a product. We are to introduce people into a relationship that will change their life, their eternity. And when we're not selling, we're a whole lot more fun. Now, my goal in all of this is to lead us out of the mindset of sin-focused formulas and into a spirit-led, empowering, relational freedom. Share God with people. You with me? Want one other one? I was in, um, I was traveling with Chao one time, and we were in somewhere in Asia. I'll say Malaysia. I think it might have been Malaysia. We're going down the line, praying for people, and, you know, God's just coming and doing good things. I stopped, and the woman says, I don't want to fall under the power of the Holy Spirit. I said, what do you want? He said, I've got something on my heart that I want God to do for me. So I said, okay, God, what do you want to do for her? And, and he said, tell her I will give her the desire of her heart. You're going to tell me what it is? He goes, no, it's not your business. Just tell her you're going to get it. I said, okay. God says he's going to give you the desire of your heart. She goes, that's awesome. And she goes and sits down. I mean, pray or nothing. That, that was the entire exchange. We're there in that same church two years later, praying down the line, and there's this woman that looks vaguely familiar standing there. And she goes, do you remember me? Do you know how many people I've prayed for in between you and the two years ago and this? I go, honestly, no. Tell me why I would remember. She goes, you came through two years ago, and you asked me what, what I wanted. And you said, God said he's going to give me the desire of my heart. Look at the baby in my arms. She said, when I got pregnant, I came back to this church, and I said, any God who cares about me that much, is I want to know that God, and she accepted Jesus. So not only did she have a baby, she, she knew Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is not about a formula that says, here's the things you have to do. Repeat after me, blah, 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 blah. That's theological words for, this is boring. <laughs> We're called to share relationship. You have the opportunity of meeting the most fabulous person in the history of the universe who knows everything about you and is so interested in your life. One little extra thing. I'm pretty much done with what we need to do 
to lead someone to Jesus, and that's offer relationship. Paul continues in Romans chapter 10, verses 12 to 15. You can get your Bible out and actually read it. It's okay. This is after the thing we just wrote about how you actually find uh, Jesus or the requirements for meeting Jesus. Paul continues to write, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Paul here says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he gives a series of questions that ends with, how can they preach unless they are sent? The they in verse 15 is us. Go back and look at it again. How, how then can they, the people we're talking about, call on the one that they have not believed, talking to? And how can they, the people we are talking to, believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they, the people we're talking to, hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they, the one preaching to them, preach unless they are sent? How will people in Toronto, in the sphere of your life, the Stephanies in your life at work, the people that you encounter that you pray for, how will they know unless you tell them? We are the sent ones. Not just the evangelist. We're really glad for evangelists. It's awesome to have them in our, in our midst. They embolden the rest of us. But the they isn't the evangelists. The they is us. Whether you're sitting on the back row, whether you've never been here before, whether you've been in the church for 45 or 50 years, you've been in the church a week. They, if you know Jesus, is us. And Paul says, how will the other people know if they don't share the truth? Now, we have an option. We can get up and go out of here and go, yeah, I sure hope Elena talks to more people because she's an evangelist function. But they is all of us. Every one of us in our own way that God has gifted us, in our own abilities, in how God has gifted us, every one of us is the they that shares. How will people know how amazing Jesus is unless we, the sent ones, tell them? And everybody here gets to participate in that. Every one of us is sent. The 
quote-unquote great commission in Matthew 28. Jesus said this last thing he said before he went to sit down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Remember, he's alive. That's what makes us distinct as Christians. Jesus came to the disciples. Disciples here? What are the rest of you doing here? (laughs) Why are you even here? I'll give you another opportunity. Look, Jesus said, if you deny me before people, I'll deny you before the Father. This matters. How many people here are disciples? God help us. Jesus said to the disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the declaration over every single one of us. We do not have an option if we say, I'm part of Jesus' family. I intend to spend the rest of history, the rest of eternity with Jesus, we are part of that declaration that says, you are sent ones. And what are we going to do as we're being sent? We're going to introduce people into a relationship with the most spectacular being in the history of the universe. City River, how are we going to let people know? If, or hopefully when, we respond, what are we going to tell them? May we be men and women who are led by Holy Spirit to bring relationship to those that we encounter. I got about five minutes yet. I want y'all to bow your heads for a minute. No, I'm not asking for somebody to come forward and accept Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never made Jesus Lord, by all means come and talk to me or the person next to you because now they know how to do it too. But for those of us, bow your head, close your eyes for a minute. Just focus in on God. You can give God... Four minutes. God, what needs to... Here's the question. God, what needs to shift in me so I become a sent one? What needs to change in how I walk through the week? What needs to be different in my relationship with you? So I can start to have God's stories to tell people about how spectacular your son Jesus is. That they can meet Jesus. That they can come to know Jesus. God, what needs to shift in me? Do I need to address fear? Do I need to do something with my calendar? Do I need to spend more time with you? So I know who I'm talking about. I still got three minutes. We're going to be quiet for a minute. God, what needs to shift in me?
look up here for just this. I know pastors say this all the time. This and I close. I am sincere. This and I close. If God can take a guy who intentionally pushed people away, refused to God's face to say, I will stand in front of other people, who grew up in a church that all they talked about was sin. If God can take someone like me and walk into a coffee shop with someone who's been doing the work of an evangelist and in about 15 minutes have her connect with Jesus to the point where she will be in heaven forever. If, he, if you can have stories like Stephanie in your life, I could do it. You can do it. Few people started out more socially dysfunctional than me. You can do this because every one of you is a sent one. And God doesn't send us out unprepared. You've got the stuff because you've got the Holy Spirit in you. And Holy Spirit will lead you as you lead other people to Jesus. May we go this week and have a spirit-filled week of sharing how awesome Jesus is. Everybody said? Amen. Have a great week.